Please listen carefully. Welcome in, everybody. Got another episode of the Heard It Here Sports Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hurd. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. We're on part four now of my NBA trade season podcast, what has turned into a series. Um... I've, I've covered the majority of the league at this point. Uh, if you haven't listened to parts 1, 2, and 3, uh, first of all, p- probably a good life decision. Probably saved about five hours of your life there, so uh, not a bad call. On the other hand, you're probably going to um, be a little confused as to why I'm not covering about 75% of the league in this podcast. That's because I already covered them. Uh, you're just going to have to go back and listen. In this podcast, actually, let me, I'll do a br- little brief recap of the first three parts, because ev- even I had a little trouble uh, thinking of them. So, first part, I went through the teams I do not believe are going to be a part of the trade market, at least not for anything uh, significant. Uh, I also sort of just laid out um, a few of the teams I thought were maybe fringe teams, Uh and and in general covered why all of these teams, why I didn't believe they were going to be active on the trade market. I uh, sort of went one through one through those. So uh, if you haven't heard your favorite team, you might want to go back and listen because you might have missed them. Uh, you might be in a category you're not expecting. Um, then on the next podcast, I went over the seven teams I, I, I picked out that I, I decided I would consider, um, quote, active listeners, meaning, one, that they are going to be active on the trade market. They are, um, sorry, that's a, that's, that's, that's a poor way to phrase it. Um, let me start with the listener part for, first. That implies, um, in, in trade negotiations, if you're listening, that implies a lack of action that implies a lack of offering because if you were um, actively seeking to make a deal you were actively engaging in trade offers that that's different uh, than listening listening implies a passive state and that's sort of what I what I believe is the case with those teams I, I think uh, and let me uh, let me just lay those teams out so those seven were the Boston Celtics, uh, and again, it's Danny Ainge. I think he's always listening. Um, the Detroit Pistons, I think there's a good chance they're listening to Andre Drummond uh, just because of the the fact that they have not signed a contract extension. Um, I, I noted this in the other podcast, but that um, is a, a pretty likely signal that the two sides are not in agreement on Drummond's worth to the team. It's possible that's not true, but but more than likely that is. Um, and you could certainly see the Pistons try to get some value out of him if they thought he was definitely leaving. Um, at the same time, though, I don't believe they're going to be active on the market. I believe they are listening. I think they are a passive, passive part of this market. Um, Cleveland, 
Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, pretty much the same situation, just with Kevin Love. Um, honestly, they probably should be high on this list. And you know what? Maybe they would if they hadn't already made the Jordan Clarkson move. I think he was probably the most desirable asset left on their roster. Um, I mean, I think teams would certainly like Larry Nance, but I think Larry Nance likes being in Cleveland. I, I don't think he minds serving a role on this team. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, obviously, Kevin Love, though, sort of mirrors Andre Drummond in Detroit in that Cleveland uh, sees a lot of value in him, gets a lot of production out of him. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 actually, and let's put it this way, beyond just the play on the court, um, there are a lot of billboards and a lot of pamphlets and a lot of promotional material uh, around Detroit with Andre Drummond's face on it and in Cleveland with Kevin Love's face on it. So it's difficult to make a sort of, uh, you know, a secondary move to dump one of those guys. Um, that's, that's, not, that's not something that's easy to sell to your fan base. However, if someone comes along with a great deal, I think Kobe Altman is a guy that will definitely pounce on that in Cleveland. Um, I think he's a guy that knows he's operating with a a, 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 a sometimes difficult owner in Dan Gilbert, um, but has, has done a really good job, if you look back at his resume, um, at planning for the future in playing the asset game. I mean, he's, he's young. He's a guy in his 30s. Like, he... Is not of the generation of well, we just got to make the playoffs. We got to make the eighth seed. Uh, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, no, not everything can happen once you get in the playoffs. Okay, you, you know what happens if you're the eighth seed? You lose to the one seed, virtually every time. And if you, by some miracle, some 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 act of God, happen to beat the one seed, you know what happens? You lose in the next round to the four or five seed. That's what happens. Um, so Kobe Altman is a, is a guy, I think, as you saw it with the, the George Hill trade last year, trading George Hill for John Henson and Matthew Delvadova and taking on, I don't know, they took on some sort of pick return, some sort of asset return, I imagine. I don't think it was strong. I think it was maybe just like Milwaukee's first protected or something. Um, it, it was, it was not, a, it was not a, you know, shiny, nice, um, asset that's going to dramatically shift the future of your franchise. However, it, it was a nice asset on the margins to pick up, and George Hill had no value to this team, and, and taking on Del Vidova and John Hinson does not really really harm this team. So it was a very, uh, it was just a good move to make, and not many teams can make moves like that, and not often, uh, not, it's, it's not always that the teams that are able to make it, that should make it, do make it. So you got to give them credit, I think, Kobe Altman, um, a little, a little, uh, <laughs> a little detour already, but I think Kobe Altman deserves a little more respect than he gets. Um, although I don't think anyone talks about him now that LeBron's gone, but back, back when LeBron was there, I think he was just, yeah, oh, this is the, the puppet they brought in is David Griffin wanted too much money. Yeah. I think he's probably a, a better GM than you're giving him credit for. I think Kobe Altman is clearly, um, He's, he's clearly qualified to get a shot at being a GM in this league. And, you know, if, if, if he's able to, he can clearly do this stuff on the margins. If he can hit the big, 
uh, big things out of the park. And if he can continue to manage the owner like he has so far with Dan Gilbert, I mean, we've heard nothing out of Dan Gilbert. There's been no Comic Sans letter. There's been nothing. Um, if, if he can, if he can keep that in line and eventually turn Cleveland into a playoff team, like that's that's pretty incredible. I I think you have to. I, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt, given the, the some of the moves he's made. I think if you go back and look at his resume, he's done. He's if you look at the the moves in the aggregate, he's done more good than he's done bad. Um, let me move on though. The last four teams on this list that I think are active listeners, uh, the New York Knicks. Uh, I think that's probably. That, that's a tough one because you don't really know what the situation with management and ownership is. Is um, are, are, are Steve Mills and Scott Perry sort of on the back burner now, or are they just like not really making the moves? Are they, you know, sort of do they do, is there stuff packed in boxes? Um, metaphorically, I think you get what I'm saying. Are they going to get fired? And is Dolan just sort of running the show until then? I think it's possible. I think it's certainly possible. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think anyone would be particularly stunned. However, I I, I would um, I, I would think that given how poorly they've played this year, they'll probably listen on a guy like Marcus Morris or on, I don't know, maybe on Julius Randle, maybe. Um I think they'll listen on a guy like Marcus Morris, probably because Marcus Morris is going to make them listen on him. If they're not listening on Marcus Morris, he's going to uh, not not be happy. He's going to express that, probably frequently, probably publicly. Um, let me move on. Atlanta. Atlanta, I think, is listening. And actually, I, I discussed I might even want to move them up a tier just because uh, I, I think they might want to try to make an aggressive trade for a center. Um, but I just think they'll be actively listening because they have the Chandler Parsons 25 mil uh, expiring contract. They also have Alec Crabb and Evan Turner at around 19 million each, both expiring. So, you know, I think, I think if they, they're, they're not going to use all that cap space on productive contracts, that's to be sure. Uh, if they use all that cap space, they're going to be signing some bad deals. So why don't you just try to keep some of it in rotation? Sort of like I talked about with Portland last episode. Um, uh, last two teams, Phoenix. I think Phoenix is just going to be listening because I think, you know, there's not that many teams in the market this year. If they could pick up something on the margins, they might do it. Um, I, I would I would expect them to make a trade to get better, though. I don't think they're going to make some sort of um, tanking move or any sort of selling move. I think if Phoenix is trading, they're probably trying to trade up. Like, they're probably trying to get a better piece for the long term. Um, so I think they will be listening. <laughs> They'll be listening to see if they can get better. Definitely listening. Uh, and then the last team would be the Minnesota Timberwolves. I just think they, I think they're reported to have, uh, to be listening on Robert Covington. I, I think they're just one of those teams that has a couple of guys that would make sense to be traded um, if, if the right package was to come their way. A, a guy like Robert Covington just makes so much sense to be traded. And given that the Timberwolves now look pretty dismal, 
Uh, they do not look like they're going to be competing this year. And and you got to if you're, I think Gerson Rosas is a smart guy. He came from the the Rockets tree. Uh, he's he's going to be realistic, and, and I think he sees his team and realizes they're not they're not contending anytime soon. Maybe they can, maybe they can make the playoffs in like two or three years. You have the seventh, eighth seed a couple times. They're not going to win a championship anytime soon. So, I think he might be, um, at least preparing for the idea that he needs to rebuild this team. I think ideally you want to try to rebuild it around Carl Anthony Towns. You don't trade Carl Anthony Towns unless you have to. But if there comes a point where your team, you have to rebuild, and he says, I don't want to be a part of this, just let me go, so be it. That's what you have to do. Uh, you try to convince him as hard as possible, of course. You you, you know, do everything in your power after he asks to convince him, but if you're not able to do so, then you have to do as he wishes. So those were the seven uh, active listeners I uh, I sort of identified on the market, I guess. Um the also the the one like buffer team that I thought was maybe not they were like semi active on the market they're semi active I don't know if they're active I don't know they're like lurking and that is uh, the Miami Heat uh, led by GM Pat Riley they're just lurking if 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 it gets leaked that Colin Anthony Towns wants to trade I guarantee you one of the names they're going to be linked to the Miami Heat. Um, if God, I, I it, it does, there's, there's not even any names you can really think of, but if X star gets leaked that he's, you know, wants a trade once out the heat are going to be there. Even if it's something just sort of small, minor, the heat, Pat Riley, always working, always working, always trying to identify a way to get better. Um, I think they are more than actively listening I think the thing is they don't want to trade any of their guys except for James Johnson, Dion Waiters, who are completely dead salary. Um, so I don't think you're going to be able to do that, unfortunately, without giving up assets, which, again, they don't want to do and don't feel the need to do, uh, which, good, they should not feel the need to do it. However, if, uh, if, if Riley manages to, while he's lurking around, hear this trade idea that, you know, would or, or or just sort of come up with this plan that would get him a star or at the very least a an impact rotation player at the cost of nothing that impacts this team he's gonna do it he's, he's gonna make it work uh he's gonna do what he has to, to make it work so i think miami they are stronger than active listeners but at the same time i don't see them in the in this other tier at the top uh the top 10 teams which i've been talking about I don't see them as teams. I, I, I don't see them as a team that is uh, looking to move, you know, pieces on their roster. They don't have anyone that they really want to move. It's more just, well, if we can sneak in here and send you, if we can sneak in here and send you Dion Waiters in a first round pick, and all of a sudden you like look up, you're like, wait, what did I just get? But we got your good player. Then we're gonna do it. Um, as the kids would say. Uh, if Pat Riley can finesse you, then uh, Pat Riley is going to finesse you, um, unquote. Um, yeah, as for the teams, 
above Miami, though, these are the teams I see as actively engaged on the trade market. They are they they would prefer to make a deal. Um, I think they would. I, I and that's the difference with Miami too. I don't think Miami really prefers one way or not whether they make a deal. Like if they do, cool. Uh, it's got to be one that's you know definitely beneficial to their team. If they don't, that's fine. This is the first year with Jimmy Butler, uh, first year with Bam Adebayo playing like he is. They're probably going to be in the playoffs, um, maybe in the top four. It's starting to look like they're definitely going to be in the top four. To be honest, I, I'm pretty in on Miami at least, um, you know, in the regular season and round one, uh, you know, of the playoffs. I think they are. A very, very scary team. Uh, whether they can beat a team like Philly or Milwaukee in a playoff series, I I would I would think you probably would bet on that happening next year, just after um, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and Bam Adebayo get their first playoff run. I think there's just a lot of merit to that. Um Unfortunately, though, I don't. I don't know if Miami's really going to be doing that. I, 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 again, I'm getting a little off topic. I think Miami is, um, not actively engaged in looking to move their players. I don't think they. I think they're fine staying put. Um, I think these teams that I'm going to mention would prefer to move, make a move. Uh, and so I started first with the Sixers, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I think this is one of the clearest ones out there. The trade package of Mike Scott and Zaire Smith, which is a total of $7.7 million in salary. Uh, That is, that's that's a pretty, and if you add in a guy like Jonah Bolden, you can get up to 9.2 plus the 120% salary that you can take in. That gets you to around eleven uh, million in salary that you can bring back. That gets you up there. Uh, some of the names I, I proposed: uh, Tyus Jones. I really like that idea. I don't know if it's really feasible. Um, you could get up to Norm Powell. Again, not feasible. But if the Raptors had, if the Raptors season had gone differently, maybe. Uh, t- Tony Snell. You could get up to Tony Snell's number. Uh, Alfred Gaminu. TJ Warren, if the Pacers season was going differently, again, uh, you could theoretically get up to Rob Covington. Maybe if you throw in a first with that deal. Uh, Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, Jonah Bolden, and a first. Maybe a couple seconds. Maybe the Timberwolves decide to uh, to, to, to give it to you. Maybe especially if uh, he's pushing for it, if Covington is, which I could certainly see him wanting to go back to Philly, especially now that they're competitive. Like, that just makes so much sense for him personally. Um, next was the Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers, they are a very similar team uh, at this trade deadline as the Lakers. They are looking for pretty similar players. Um, obviously, I think the Lakers could use a wing defender. Uh, sorry, more of a forward defender, honestly. So, so probably a guy that's defending the three. Um, but ideally could guard some of the two. Uh, you want him to guard more at the four, though. So a, a, a combo forward defender. Um, the, name I, 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 the name I had down was Jay Crowder. <laughs> Whether you really consider him a, a, a combo forward defender is one thing. He certainly plays combo forward. Um, 
I, I think Jay Crowder is um, probably not that likely to be traded to the Lakers. He might be. He's probably going to be traded. Uh, the Grizzlies are going to certainly try to trade him, but I think he's probably going to end up somewhere else. Um, I don't. I don't know. If the Grizzlies are going to get a ton of value for him, but I think I talked about this last episode when I talked about the Lakers. But I think um, Jay Crowder might be a little worried about. The idea of going to, uh, sorry, actually, I think LeBron might be a little worried about Jay Crowder coming back to play with him. Um, just because they played together in Cleveland, we saw uh, he he was part of the Isaiah Thomas trade. I think I think Crowder was probably definitely on the IT side of things, uh, not on LeBron's side, and that probably <laughs> probably rubbed LeBron the wrong way. Uh, I think that was part of the reason Jay Crowder, uh, as well as Isaiah Thomas, were traded that trade deadline. I don't know if LeBron is really looking to bring Jay Crowder back. Um, that was just a name that on paper makes sense. Again, who knows though? Um, I believe if you were, uh, so, and I'm still not really sure if Quinn Cook is trade eligible. I believe he is. Um, I think actually, you know what it is? He has a, a three, he has a two year, $3 million deal with a second year non-guarantee. So if you guarantee that second year, uh, then you can trade him. So that's what they would have to do. That's no big deal. Um, so Quinn Cook, $3 million. DeMarcus Cousins, $3.5 million. Kyle Kuzma, $1.9 million. Um, actually, you probably have to throw in Avery Bradley, wouldn't you? Instead of Quinn Cook. So that would be like... That would be close to $10 million, uh, between the three of them. Avery Bradley, DeMarcus Cousins, and Kyle Kuzma, which would definitely get you up to the uh, Rob Covington $11.3 million uh, in terms of returning salary. Again, though, I don't, I don't think Kyle Kuzma is really, really some like glorious asset in return for Robert Covington, who is one of the most coveted uh, assets in terms of being a really good player on a good deal. Uh, Josh Richardson was the other guy like that, and we saw he was the centerpiece of the sign trade for Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I don't know. The Lakers were another team I thought were a little weird. Again, I don't. I don't. I'm spending a lot of time recapping uh, the previous podcast. I should probably try to just move on. Uh, other team, Portland. Uh, Portland's got that big uh, twenty point seven. Sorry, twenty seven point one million dollar deal for Hassan Whiteside. Uh, as well as the $19.3 million deal for Kent Bazemore. Both of those expiring this summer. Uh, I, I, I think Portland might try to move uh, one or both. Problem is, you're not really going to be able to line up a trade for Hassan Whiteside that makes any sense. Uh, I don't think Portland wants to give away a guy like Anthony Simons or Nasir Little. And unless you're doing that, you're probably just not getting anything of true value. What really interests me, though, was the possibility of trading Kent Bazemore for a guy like uh, Gallinari. Uh, maybe if you put Kent Bazemore and, and your lottery protected first in a couple of years for uh, Danilo Gallinari, I think that makes a lot of sense for the Trailblazers. Uh, let's move on to LA Clippers. That was the last team I hit on yesterday, uh, or I don't know when y'all are listening to this podcast, but uh, uh, the last one I hit on on part three. Um, the main thing I talked about with the Clippers was uh, Ivisha Zubac. He's he's got the seven million dollar deal. Um, I not I, I it seems to be that most of the conversation around the Clippers is 
what would they do to upgrade at center. Um, I, I ended up sort of throwing out a ton of different trade ideas, some of them swinging for stars almost. Some of them, uh, they, they, look, the Clippers have a lot of salary you can package. There's a lot of ways the Clippers can go. Just go back and listen to that uh, part if you want to listen to it. I, I I, can't really go back over that. Plus, I didn't really take detailed notes on the uh, trades I offered. So after that uh, obnoxiously long intro, let's move on to the actual teams that I have left to cover. So the first one is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans much different than the other teams I've described. Um, this is the first real seller we have that I know is, or, uh, sorry, I believe is going to be active on the market. Um, I think the first question that comes to mind, is there really a worthwhile package for Drew Holiday that is going to be available? Um, that I am not sure. That I am not sure on. Um, I, I am, I, 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 so I think it's very easy to make packages uh the team i'm going to talk about next the denver nuggets you can make a you know a ton of different great trade packages for drew holiday that seem like they would benefit both sides but i i mean i I don't i just don't know if denver is really going to make that move um i mean they do they already have gary here you probably would be trading gary harris actually well actually you'd probably be trading will barton i i i i don't need to get caught up on this again um I, I think the thing with Drew Holiday, team like the Clippers, yeah, they can get enough salary if they do like uh, Trez and Zubach. And I think you probably have to do Lou Will as well. Are they really going to do that? No, I don't think so. Um, the Lakers, if they trade like Danny Green, and I just, I, I, that's not feasible. Um, and those are the only teams that are really looking to do anything. There aren't teams with a lot of big expiring contracts looking to move for a, you know, a 28 year old guy that drew holiday is. They're just not looking to move for a player that's good. Now they want to play. that's going to be good later. Teams like the Hawks that have these expiring deals. Uh, unfortunately, P- Portland would be the team. Portland would be the team. If they uh, had interest in drew holiday, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think they want to trade CJ McCollum for drew holiday. Uh, not, not that that would be the deal. You, it would be with the uh, Hassan Whiteside slash the Kent Bazemore expirings. Well, one or one of the two. Um, just the idea that you already have two guards. You're not really going to bring in Drew Holiday. Um, so it, it's a little tough. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see a spot for Drew Holiday. Um, the one I see as a very feasible trade, though, and one that sort of. Um, seems to make the most sense to me. Uh, Derek Favors. Derek Favors is making $17.6 million this year. He's on a one-year expiring contract, so he'll be a free agent this summer. Uh, he's only actually played uh, 18 games for them this season. Uh, he's, he's played, actually, 200 fewer minutes than uh, rookie Jackson Hayes, who's taken uh, center taken with the number 8th overall pick. Um, he's only played 40 minutes more than uh, more ironic rookie Nicolo Melli uh, out of, I believe, Italy. Oh, man, I probably should have looked it up before I said that. Uh, uh, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Maybe I'll get the intern to take it out. We'll see. Um, point I'm trying to make, though, I, where is Julio Okafor on this? Oh, there he is. So apparently Jaws only played... Uh, 
337 minutes with the team. The fewest outside of their two-way guys, Josh Grant, Zylan, Cheatham. Um, I actually thought John ja would get a little more run. A little surprising. But you know what that actually indicates to me is that the Pelicans uh, seem pretty happy with their center, Jackson Hayes. I, I know for some to some extent, Derek Favors has been injured a lot. That's why he's only played 18 games. And Jackson Hayes has played 31 games. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Favors' injury concerns are part of why you're probably not... I, I don't think Favors is a long-term part for this team. I think if we're hearing that Drew Holiday is going to be on the market, then I think you can consider any of their veterans that they haven't been attached to. They've been attached to Drew Holiday for 8, 10 years. I, th I think it's... it's I'm, I'm exaggerating again. I think it's been like six years they've been uh, with Drew Holiday. They've been with him a long time. Since since 2013, 2014 maybe? I think it was a, it was a draft night trade uh, in 2014 for Nerland Noel to the Sixers is what it was actually. So they've had him since then. If they're willing to trade him, they can be willing to trade Derek Favors. They just picked up this year. They can be willing to trade uh, J.J. Redick, especially if he is asking to be moved. Um... Those are their only main guys. I mean, I guess Nicola Melli, if someone wanted him. Uh, same with Etwan Moore. I don't believe either of those guys are particularly desirable assets. Um, I think I've done enough defending why uh, they would move Derek Favors. Uh, as for the actual moves I see out there on the market, uh, I think you could definitely see maybe Atlanta just taking a flyer on him. Um, Atlanta has literally no center play this year. Um, I talked about them in this podcast and previous podcasts about being a possible center d destination. Um, maybe a guy like Steven Adams, maybe a guy like Andre Drummond. Why not just go and try to pick up Derek Favors though? Making $17.6 this year, but uh, I have a feeling he'll be making more like $10 million, if that, this next couple, the next few seasons. Uh, his athletic decline has... Is, is pretty prevalent, I would say, but he's still a smart player, still productive. 18.4 uh, PER this year, I mean, uh, leads the team I, oh, outside of Brandon Ingram, who's putting up a 22.1 PER. So, woof. Um, I think, I think though, uh, Derek Favors can provide some real value for the Hawks. He's a guy that you can play uh, Favors and John Collins together huge minutes, I think. Um and I think John Collins can cover for some of Favors' athletic weaknesses. Favors can cover for some of John Collins' just youth and uh, sort of decision-making. Um, I think that might be a deal you would look at. And what you would do is just either trade Evan Turner or Alan Crabb straight up for Favors. All of those players are on expiring contracts. Uh, if you're Atlanta, again, you're trying to get uh, Favors' bird rights so that you can re-sign him uh, because Utah actually traded – uh, favors to the Pelicans. I believe they just had a trade exception, or uh, yeah, I think it, I think it was a trade exception from the Anthony Davis deal, actually. Uh, or that, or it was just like a, um, a cap space they had. It may have just been they took him into cap space. Actually, I think that's probably what it was. Um, but they, so I, the point is, he still has his bird rights. So the the Hawks could get his bird rights, and I mean, you're not going to pay him a lot more than he's making right now, but it's still nice to have a guy's bird rights when you're trying to re-sign him. Uh, <laughs> again, the, the, the Hawks are going to have cap space, so maybe this is kind of pointless. Um, I, I guess, actually, the point would be that the Hawks have seemed to have 
some dysfunction this year. It seems like Trey Young is getting a little restless and wants some help now. And I think the position you really look to is we'll get him a center that he can play off of. Derek Favors isn't necessarily some great run and run and jump pick and roll center, uh, but he would be good and he's a lot more gettable, a lot cheaper to acquire than a guy like Steven Adams, just in terms of the assets you'd have to give up. So maybe that's something they look at. Um, other teams, I don't know. Uh, you, you could, you could, if you're the Wizards and you wanted to trade uh, Jan Mahimni for Derek Favors straight up, you could do that. Uh, it's just a question of whether the Pelicans, like, would be willing to take on a second round pick to just, you know, swap Favors for a guy that's pretty much dead salary. I don't. I think they would be willing to do that. Um, obviously, the Pelicans, they've got everybody other than Zion Williamson and uh, Darius Miles, who tore his ACL uh, in the preseason or, or before the season. Uh, so they have, they've actually won three, four straight against what looks like a pretty impressive schedule at first glance. Uh, first a win at Portland, then a win at Denver. Very impressive. Um, then they got a blowout win over Indiana uh, and then capped it off uh, two days ago with a win over Houston. Um, although if you look in the Houston game, um, James Harden was not playing. Those other games, though, pretty impressive, I will say. Um, on the year, though, again, the Pelicans are still 14th in the West, and the West has not been particularly great. Uh, they're 11-23. and 23 even after winning these last four straight. So that sort of tells you how the rest of their season has gone. They had what looks like maybe a 13-game uh, losing streak from November 23rd to uh, December 17th. They did not win a single game. They're, they're, they were injury-plagued to be certain, but they're not good, and they're, 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 they're waiting for Zion to get back. This team, every decision they make, every, you know, every, like, everything, everything in this organization, down to the smallest detail, the smallest player transaction, financial decision, endorsement deal, all of it revolves around Zion Williamson. Um, and I think if your plans revolve around Zion Williamson, what you're going to do is you're going to move Derek Favors for whatever assets you can get. Um, I think that's probably like a second, maybe two seconds, and then, you know, dead salary. If you can, if if you have to take on fifteen million for three years in dead salary, you're not doing it. But if it's for one of these expiring contracts, heck yeah, do it. Why not? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know who was another team actually? Uh, I'm just kind of connecting this dot now. Portland. Why wouldn't Portland trade? Uh, uh, actually, Kent Bazemore for Derek Favors. They might consider like an even deal. Um, just the, given the value Kent Bazemore has given them, but you know, maybe, maybe if they really think that center, uh, that that center spot would be helpful to them, I, that's that, that's a little bit of a stretch, actually. I, I don't know about that. I think, I think they value Kent Bazemore a little more than that. Um, let's move on, though. Uh, I I I one of the next points I wanted to talk about do you, does is anybody out there going to be able to make a real trade offer for Brandon Ingram? Brandon Ingram is going to be coming up off of his rookie deal. He was the number two overall pick uh, back in 2016, picked right behind uh, Ben Simmons. He's making $7.3 million this year, which makes it a little difficult in general 
Uh, a guy like him obviously has a lot of value, uh, which, again, part of his value is because he's making $7.3 million. Once he's making $27 million, he's not going to be as valuable. But um, for the time being, he's making that 7.3. He's a very young guy. He's very, you know, he's, he, he's been amazing this year. He's been shooting it lights out. Why wouldn't people be giving up, you know, whatever they can for this guy? It's just, I think it just does not really line up in terms of the incentives of both sides. And the Pelicans probably just really want to keep him. Um, I think the Pelicans are, are not really incentivized to give up on Brandon Ingram at this point. I, I think they'll listen to offers if someone's just been blown away and really wants him. Maybe, but I think in general you value your own assets. I think he could be the crown jewel of the Anthony Davis trade. That's Zion Williams was Zion Williamson was not part of the Anthony Davis trade. If you get Zion Williamson and then on top of that, you get Brandon Ingram as some like secondary superstar who you just pulled out of, you know, uh Los Angeles's failure. That's double the fun. <laughs> That's 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 awesome. That's fantastic. So, um, I, I'm bringing this up mostly just to say I, I don't see a Brandon Ingram trade. Uh, I think it would take a ton to pry him away from the Pelicans. I don't really see any teams that would be particularly um, excited to go after him. I, I think the bad teams, uh, the teams that would be interested in trying to get Brandon Ingram, they're just going to go after him in free agency. Why, why would they trade for him now um, when they can just try to pry him away in free agency? I think, again, if there's a team that really, really wants him, they might say this is the price of, of admission. You know, the Pelicans are just going to match any offer we give anyways. Let's just do it. I don't know, though. Um, and any good teams, any any or, or better teams, I guess, they, they like the assets to make this trade. Um, it's just so difficult to match. $7.3 in salary, unless it's baked into a larger trade, which sort of meshes into my next point, actually. Could could the Pelicans be the ones that try to trade for a star? Um, if, if you look at it, you add Etwan Moore's $8 million in salary to Brandon Ingram's $7.3. Uh, actually, Etwan Moore makes more like $8.7, so they're to, to combined, it's about $16 million. If you add $16 million to uh, Derek Favors, $17.5 million, that's a lot of salary uh, and actually a pretty good value in terms of you're getting Brandon Ingram and two expiring contracts. I mean, you're, you're, you're freeing up $30 million in cap space and getting Brandon Ingram. Um, I think, number one, that would make for... Uh, so if, if there was a team like New York last year that wanted to give up, you know, uh, some assets to just create a ton of uh, a ton of cap space. Okay, maybe you pounce on that. But it seems um it seems more likely the package that I've just created with Brandon Ingram plus Derek Favors plus Etwan Etwan Moore, that's like a a go buy a star package. Uh, combine that with the fact that the Pelicans have all their firsts going forward and, like, four first-round picks from the Lakers, well, I mean, you could throw a first-round pick in there. That means nothing to you. Throw, like, a couple of the Lakers picks in there at the at the very least. Like, what? 
you already got um, Brandon Ingram as your star pri prized prize asset from the trade. Trade a couple of those first-round L.A. picks, plus Ingram, plus the salary filler. If Bradley Beal was still on the market, that would be the best Bradley Beal package out there, probably. Probably. Uh, unless they wanted to do my Ben Simmons package, which, again, is not eligible right now. Uh, that would have to be in the upcoming free agent period. Again, if you haven't listened to my part two, that was in part two, uh, I did talk about how Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal, uh, a straight-up swap, makes perfect sense in the upcoming offseason. So uh, if you need to hear the logic for that, go listen to that podcast. Or just message me, and I'll give you the whole uh, the whole diatribe again um, in over the phone or something. Uh, maybe in an all-caps email. Um, the, the one thing I came away with, though, trying to think of, you know, potentially what, what kind of star could, could the Pelicans really go out and get? Maybe a great Drew Holiday destination, theoretically, if they weren't, you know, the team with Drew Holiday. That that makes a ton of sense. It's a great package for him. They're getting a guy that fits really well with Zion Williamson. Unfortunately, though, uh, I don't believe that uh, I don't believe that works under the CBA. I don't think you can trade within a team. So, unfortunately, I don't think there's really a trade package out there um at least for any of those guys the guy that seems most likely to be traded in fact i would say it's almost a guarantee that he gets traded uh that is famous duke alumnus jj reddick i think there are several uh different iterations you could see unfortunately though i don't think uh, J.J. Reddick's just a guy who's been in the league a long time. He's played with a lot of really good teammates, um, made a lot of important friends, I think. He's just well-respected. And, and when a vet asks you to uh, trade, not trade him to certain franchises, uh, especially when he's a positive asset and you, you, you know you could trade him to another franchise if you wanted to and get similar value, um, I, I don't think you ignore something like that. I think J.J. Reddick... Uh, if he wanted to go perhaps to a team he had already been on before, um, I'll get to that in a second, he's probably going to get sent there instead of these other teams. But a couple of the things I thought up that would make sense, uh, if you could do like a James Johnson salary dump with Miami, I actually think that would be awesome. Uh, I think J.J. actually might be happy going there. I mean, it's a contending team, J and J.J. makes him like a real contender. I mean, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, they're good, but like if you can... <laughs> You can throw J.J. Redick in that rotation. Like, whoa, whoa. Um, that, that, could, uh, that, that could really, that could, that could, that could be fun uh, for Miami. Uh, Maybe you're giving up one of those young guys, in which case it might not be worth it. Um, I'm thinking more just a, actually, Miami doesn't really have any picks, do they? That's sort of the problem with any Miami deal. Um, let's move on then. I think one that kind of, it's it's a questionable team fit. Um, questionable just in terms of, are these teams really going to do this? But Mason, Plum, Mason Plumley certainly fits in terms of the salary. And the Nuggets just have an affinity for Plumley. But um, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to see uh, just, uh, just all the different things they could do with J.J. Redick in Denver? I mean, with Jokic sort of being a distributor from the inside... I think that gives you so many different angles as a guy that is so often running around screens, running around, you know, you'll get dribble handoffs from Jokic, you'll get whatever. 
I think having I think that'll just be so much different um, receiving these pass. And I guess obviously you did it in Philadelphia a lot receiving passes from Joel Embiid. Um, but that's a different. It's just a whole different dynamic for a for an off the screen shooter. I think that's. I, I would imagine, and I'm sort of just speculating here, but I would imagine when you're getting the pass from uh, where you're looking at under the basket, if the guy under the basket is passing you the ball, that's where you're looking in the first place. It's just easier to line up the shot. Uh, your body's there the whole time. I think that just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's like a real thing or not, but I think if you're getting passed to from the elbow uh, and, and you're able to catch the ball with your body lined up, that just makes for an easier shot. Logically, that makes sense to me. Um, one place I I sort of just thought of because this recent news came out, uh, Dwayne Dedman would be just reasonable in terms of salary fit. Uh, I think the Kings would probably like to have him. I don't think that really makes sense for... Uh, it, it makes sense in terms of the Kings would be able to get value and they'd probably be willing to get, tra trade like a first-round pick to both get off of Dedman and get J.J. Redick, but... I don't know. Number one, are the Pelicans really getting anything out of that? Uh, number two, are the Kings really getting anything out of that? And, and number three, is J.J. Redick going to be okay with getting sent to Sacramento? I, just, I don't think so. So, uh, last couple. This one I actually do kind of like. Uh, this would be uh, trading him. And pretty much all these deals are just straight up uh, and then attaching assets. Uh, Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee, uh, expiring contract on the Dallas Mavericks. I think the the Dallas backcourt is pretty crowded. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been playing really well this year, although he was injured recently, uh, I think just a couple of games ago. So he will, um, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think it was amazing. It, it, it was just like a hamstring injury. He's not going to be out for very long, but, um, I mean, and Seth Curry has already sort of been marginalized in this rotation. You got to remember Jalen Brunson as well, DeLon Wright. Um, they have a bunch of guards in this backcourt. However, they certainly do not have anybody on the same uh, plane as JJ Redick. I think JJ Redick uh, could be very beneficial for a guy like Luca's development. I think um, it's just a matter of. Whether or not you think it's worth it to trade an asset to get him, um, I don't. I don't know exactly who you trade. Maybe, I mean, if the Pelicans would take Jalen Brunson as an asset in that trade, that would be awesome. But I don't think they would, um, especially because they already have like Frank Jackson and Nikhil. Yeah, they, the Pelicans would not do that. This one again, it's kind of tough. It's kind of tough for most of these for most of these teams to find really good traits. And again, that's why it's so difficult to be a general manager. Uh, that's why these guys work such long hours. They're thinking about it so much. It's why their lives are so stressful. Um, it's, it's tough to make these things work out. Again, though, I think when it's all said and done, we sort of, when we're talking about J.J. Redick, fall back on the Philadelphia trade that uh, Mike Scott plus Zaire Smith, plus, I don't know, Jonah Bolden, plus probably a first-round pick in a year or two, trading them for J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick makes his return to Philadelphia. Uh, I believe his, his family moved with him to New Orleans because he's on a two-year deal, but 
his family had lived uh, up in, I believe they live in Brooklyn and commuted down um, before that. I know JJ has said he wants to live on the East Coast. I think that's sort of a, I think it's a well-known thing that JJ Reddick is more comfortable on the East Coast. That's sort of his preference. Um, and beyond that, I mean, it's just, can, can you find a better fit? Um, in terms of a team needing a guy and a guy needing a team, for lack of a better phrase. Um, just, I mean, J.J. Redick has not missed the playoffs since his, maybe ever, maybe ever. I know not since his Clippers days. I think maybe the Magic, those were all years with Dwight Howard. May, may, he may have made the playoffs every year of his NBA career. Uh, and then with Duke, I'm sure he wasn't, uh, wasn't missing any uh, NCAA tournaments, to be certain. So... I think J.J. Redick, he's dying to get back on a playoff team. So if he could get on New Orleans, he'd be stoked. Um, sorry, if he could get on Philly, he'd be stoked. Um, that's about it, though, for New Orleans. I think this is the, you know, this is probably the second biggest seller we see on the market. We'll talk about the other one later. But they are a much more interesting, interesting seller just because they have a lot of different ways they can go with it. There's a lot more moving parts in New Orleans. Um, it's really interesting to see uh, which of these pieces David Griffin just really wants to see Zion play with and which he feels uh, okay with moving on, moving on from. So, next team we'll talk about, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, obviously, Captained by Nikola Jokic, this is a team uh, more like the first few that is a a hopeful title contender looking to bolster its roster. Um, over the offseason, they did so trading a first-round pick for Jeremy Grant uh, of the Oklahoma City Thunder. They uh, are on this list for one reason and one reason only. That is uh, Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley, 23 years old. He averages about 16 minutes a game for this team, though he really fluctuates between 20 to 25 minutes a night. Uh, and then, you know, DMPs or just four minutes, seven-minute nights. Uh, he's really been sort of jerked around um, by by Mike Malone this year. Um, I... I, I I think uh, Malik Beasley is someone that's pretty well known around the league to be on the market, uh, just in terms of it, it makes sense and Denver's not denying it. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think both sides were unable to come to an agreement. Uh, so uh, Malik Beasley is going to be a free agent after this year. He is on his rookie contract right now. He was a first round pick. I want to say maybe the 19th overall pick a few years ago. Um, so he will. It must have been the 16th draft. He he will uh, he, he will be getting a pay raise. He'll be a restricted free agent this upcoming year. We often see a couple of guys, and that's sort of why I talk about with Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond's on his second contract, so it's different. Um, but he is a guy that could have gotten an extension. Uh, the teams the, they did not sign an extension, so that clearly means the team and the player could not agree on an extension, um, which makes you think they might look to trade the player in season since they're clearly not meeting each other's. Uh, expectations. Uh, Malik Beasley has been uh, a part of their rotation, uh, as I mentioned, but I think it's pretty easy to move on from him. 
just because of the depth they have. They, they have, obviously, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray starting uh, with Will Barton as their three. Uh, ideally, you'd be able to move Michael Porter Jr. into the three spot and have Will Barton as your sixth man eventually. Uh, and by eventually, I mean like, as soon as possible. Um, especially if you're moving Malik Beasley. That's, that's hopefully what you're doing. Uh, for the latter end of the season. But, I mean, Torrey Craig only plays 12 minutes a game, and I think Torrey Craig's serviceable. I don't think he's going to light your light your offense on fire. Uh, he, he might actually literally light your offense on fire, like take a torch to it and burn to the ground. But, um, hey, he can play defense, and he's like 6'7". Uh, hey, he went 5 for 3. 5 for 3. Sorry, 5 for 7. 5 for 7 from 3 in the playoffs. He did it. Game 5, okay? Uh, book it. Yeah. Um, point being, though, Malik Beasley, I think the Nuggets are trying to move. And so the reason I, I, I preface this by saying they're a contending team, they're probably looking to bolster their rotation. I don't think they're just trading Malik Beasley for a first-round pick and salary filler or something. I, I think what they'll probably try to do is, you know, you use Malik Beasley, and I don't really see anyone they're looking to trade on their roster. Again, they, they seem to just have an affinity for Mason Plumley. Um, a guy like Will Barton, they re-signed. They like him. He's played, you know, a thousand minutes for this team. He's he's starting for this team. It's tough to trade him. Uh, I don't think they want to move on from Jeremy Grant. I think he's, you know, I think he's a huge part of what they see as their future. So there's not really much salary to attach, which is kind of the problem you see here. Um, it makes it makes it really tough to make any real Malik Beasley deals straight up. Um, so most of the ones I put together was attaching him to Mason Plumley or Will Barton, um, which is interesting. I mean, you have to think it's, it's, it's pretty unlikely, right? That the Denver Nuggets are just going to try to trade my Malik Beasley for nothing. I mean, he makes 2.7 million. You're not getting back a guy that's making $3 million. That's worth, you know, giving up a young prospect like that, or, or sorry, that's going to be worth for a contending team giving up a young guy that's already part of your rotation. Um, it, it's just, it's hard because, you know, I don't think you want to trade any of these guys that make more money to, to package them with. Um, and you certainly don't have any cap space or, you know, they're, they're like a few million dollars away from the tax. So they're, they're not going to be taking on extra money. Um, I think the question here is, are the Nuggets looking to upgrade? So, if the Nuggets are looking to upgrade on either one of Mason Plumley, Will Barton, uh, or even possibly Gary Harris, okay, it's on. Include Malik Beasley in your deal. Um, maybe include a first rounder. Maybe you even have to include MPJ. Uh, that's what you do, though. If you're not willing to include any of those guys, though, we are at a standstill. There's nothing to talk about here. Uh, you may as well just try to dump him for a second rounder or something because that's what you're going to have to end up doing, which would be unfortunate because that's not really what uh, Denver wants to do. Uh, before I move on, uh, a couple of these other points I had written down, just notes. Uh, the Nuggets have one of the best like big fish trade packages out there in terms of you know, adding together Will Barton and Mason Plumlee's salary. Those are both like solid players, uh, so you're getting like a solid return back right there already. Then you add in, they can throw in a guy like Malik Beasley, Monty Morris, uh, Michael Porter Jr. obviously is the biggest wild card. Bull Bull is on their roster now. Um, and then I'm not, what's their pick situation? I should probably check that out. 
Um, they've got that outstanding pick to OKC from the Jeremy Grant trade, obviously. One through ten protected this year uh, and the next two going forward. That's probably going to just convey this year almost guaranteedly. So after that, um, they'll have their picks cleared up from 21 to 26. That means, though, that they're not going to be able to trade any pick until 2023 this year. Uh, that's fine, though. You know, if you got to make a deal, if you got to make a deal with a 2023 pick, you make it, make it work. Um, I just don't think there are really going to be that many big, uh, big name guys out there. The problem is, like, they would be a great spot for a guy like Chris Middleton, a guy who's like, or or um, Otto Porter. Like, if if they could get Otto Porter, um, just giving up like uh, Will Barton and. Um, and Mason Plumley, and like maybe a couple second round picks and maybe Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, cause I, I, I think that's probably, you know, kind of reasonable. That That's awesome. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, that is a pretty good exchange for the Nuggets. I would say that's the sort of deal they would want to make a guy that can come in and, uh, really fit for them, really fit, uh, and at a high level. Uh, the other point I had I get the feeling Nikola Jokic uh, has a huge, uh, a huge amount of input on what happens this trade deadline. I think he's probably a guy that gets um, gets a lot of say in it's at least at least at this point. Now that he's sort of uh, shown his, you know, shown his showed his cards in terms of his uh, attitude during the season. I mean, this is not. We've seen guys do this. Like this is, it's not like he's an evil person because he pouts during the regular season and sends a message with his play. Like a guy like LeBron did in 2018. Usually you don't see it uh, this early and often. Uh, it's it's kind of confusing as to what the message he's trying to send is. But you see guys dog it all the time, uh, and Jokic is still like they're they're still good. Um, I, I bet though that the Nuggets are pretty sensitive to that fact that he's clearly a little uh, a little emotional. Um, and has been, and I bet he is going to be very, very, uh, I think they just want to make him feel like he's part of, you know, the decision-making process. I, I think that is just an important part of getting him to be content with the team. I think if it's like, well, I helped put these guys together, these are my hand-selected teammates, it's a, it's a lot harder to be mad at them, right? Um I don't know, just a thought I had. As for uh, who might actually be a target for the Nuggets, so uh, for reference, Mason Plumlee's making $14 million this year, so uh, that's 16.7 with him and Malik Beasley combined. Uh, we could trade those two for, for instance, Marcus Morris, uh, and the Knicks making $15 million. Uh, you might, again, have to throw in that first-round pick or at least like a couple seconds to get that one done. Um, but that I think that's a move that would really, really help. Marcus Morris is much more of a legitimate starter at the three than Will Barton is. And if you can put Will Barton now on the bench, uh, you've still got a, a solid rotation. Um, and if if you need, uh, so for instance, if Paul Millsap is injured and you need Jeremy Grant to slide down and play some backup center, uh, which I think he's capable of, then you can have Marcus Morris slide down to the four. Um, and you will be, you'll, you'll be, you'll be in decent shape. Marcus Morris is like a real starting three, but he's a, a forward. He's not a two, three, he's a three, four. So I think Marcus Morris would be pretty great if they could get him. Just a matter of whether they can incentivize that properly. Rudy Gay 
Rudy Gay in the same vein, uh, shot maker, uh, combo forward, a lot of experience in the league, a lot of experience in the playoffs, a lot of experience with good players as his teammates, uh, making $14 million flat the next two years. I think if the Spurs could be um, uh, uh, properly paid, that the the, uh, the Nuggets could acquire Rudy Gay. And I think he, he, again, he's just a great fit in terms of put him in at the three, he fits uh, um, onto most teams. He's smart. He's played. He's played on like, you know, half a dozen different teams over his career. Um, I think he's just a reliable vet. He's gonna get the job done. He's he's a solid, solid player there. Um, other than that, though, like th- th- those are definitely my favorite ones. Obviously, there's um, the Andre Iguodala deal sitting out there at seventeen point two million dollars. I guess theoretically you could just say, hey, here's Mason Plumlee and Malik Beasley for Andre Iguodala straight up. That's a deal I would do as the Nuggets, I I think. I think. And I think I might be underestimating how, um, again, they value Mason Plumlee a lot. They would miss his play at center, though. I think part of the beauty of Mason Plumlee is he's kind of like great value Nikola Jokic. So when he goes off the court, you can still pretend like you're playing with Jokic. Which, yeah, it's not going to be the same results because Mason Plumlee is not Jokic. But it still keeps the players in shape and gets them even more attuned for when they are playing with Jokic. Um, Gets them sort of in that mindset, so to speak. Uh, The last name I would throw out there for the Nuggets, and again, this is a team I, I said I don't really think is going to be looking to make a trade Actually, I didn't say that. I said there's like a 0% chance they're going to make a significant trade, which um, is is looking pretty foolish now that I've brought them up twice. Uh, Marvin Williams, though, would just be a fantastic fit on this team. Marvin making $15 million this year. Uh, if the Hornets could be uh, tempted to get rid of, uh, sorry, to move off of Marvin, if you could trade, hey, if you could pair Mason Plumlee with Cody Zeller, that'd be the palest backcourt of sorry the palest front court of all time uh that'd be even better than pairing the brothers themselves pair the brothers but get the wrong ones and pair them up mismatch the brothers it's like wearing uh two miss uh mismatched socks and then wearing two mismatched gloves we'll put we'll put tyler zeller and miles Plumley on probably like jessica moscow if we're being honest um, <laughs> let's, let's move on. Cause I am pretty deep into this podcast. Uh, I, I think Marvin Williams, you probably, again, you're probably giving up, uh, Plumlee, um, Malik Beasley and maybe, maybe a first year. Uh, maybe what you try to do is make it more like a fake first. So like it's top 25 protected. I don't even know if you can do that much, uh, but top 20 protected for sure. They could certainly fall into that. Uh, especially if they're doing this pick in 2023, um, do that. Do that for Marvin Williams. Maybe they accept that. Maybe, maybe the Hornets hold there though. I can certainly see it. Um, I don't know. I think that's an interesting to, one to look at though. Oh, uh, and actually, before I move on, uh, there is some thought that you could uh, that that the Nuggets would pro- they probably would be the best team uh, in terms of creating a trade package for Drew Holiday. Again, that's Mason Plumley plus Will Barton plus Beasley plus again, you know, plus Wancho plus. If you really want to make it work, you probably just have to add an MPJ. 
and I don't think the Pelicans uh, have any inclination of doing that, uh, any desire to do that. I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I just, again, I see that trade just not, I just don't see it coming together. Um, that's enough on the Nuggets, though. I think that's enough for this podcast as well. So I'm going to go ahead and take this to a part five, which uh, I believe will be the final part. I'm probably going to do some more trade discussion uh, in the future just because I find it really interesting. But just in terms of this little series of trying to go through all 30 teams, uh, <laughs> which it's turned into. Um, yeah, that's that's all for this episode. I will see you all on part five. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, peace, y'all.